Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. This is a pre-recorded program presented by KSL News Radio and Intermountain Healthcare. Healthy Mind Matters, brought to you by Intermountain Healthcare. We discuss the important community issues of stronger mental health, emotional wellness, and the growing problem of addiction. Here's our host, Maria Chaleos, on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Good morning and welcome to Healthy Mind Matters. Today we are talking about opioids and how they're not the same and how you can use them for pain treatment. With me is Kim Campani. She's the Executive Operations Director for Pain Management Services at Intermountain Healthcare. And Kim, thank you so much for joining us today. Well, thank you. Good morning. First of all, start out, Kim. We've been talking about opioids, I don't know, a couple of years now, talking about the epidemic of opioids and how pain management really needs to change. And Intermountain has had this entire effort in getting people to really realize that they aren't, opioids aren't all made the same. They're not the same. So first of all, give us some update on how it's going. How are things progressing as far as are people getting the message? Are they realizing that they really need to think seriously before taking opioids for pain management? Thank you, Maria. I, 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 first of all, I want to start off with with making sure uh, we thank everybody for the awareness around this topic. We know that um, opioid overdoses and death have been a big focus throughout the throughout our state and also throughout the country. And at Intermountain Healthcare, we've had really great efforts over the last few years. From 2017 to 2019, we really came together as a system and tried to figure out what could we do to help combat this epidemic. We are really proud to uh, to say that we decreased the number of opioid tablets prescribed by 36% or over 6.6 million tablets. And so that's phenomenal progress. Not only are we uh, trying to appropriately uh, treat patients' pain, but also keep fewer tablets out of people's medicine cabinets where others could have, um, you know, inadvertently get into them. We've also had some really great success with prescribing, with the co-prescribing uh, benzodiazepines, and that's those are medications used to, to calm or sedate people, things such like Valium, Xanax, Clonopin, so that's that benzodiazepine category, and opioids. When those benzodiazepines and opioids are used in combination. They are very harmful for patients. And so we've had a 49% reduction in that effort. And so we're really thrilled about this. And while we know that we've had um, some great success, we realize there's still a lot of work to be done because we don't want to have any overdose or deaths associated with opioids. So we've now take, we're kind of building upon that success that we've had in the past, but we're shifting our focus a little bit 
not only on the number of pill, pills that are prescribed for, for patients, but we're now focusing on what's called morphine milligram equivalency, or MME is the abbreviation for it. We know that not all opioids are created equal. Uh, some are more potent than others. It, there's many uh, different factors that come into play depending on the potency, the strength, and what's prescribed. And so by looking at morphine milligram equivalency, we're able to look at all opioids, kind of like with comparing them to apples to apples. So we can make sense as to how they compare as far as strength, potency, and potential harm, harmfulness to our patients. I'm wondering what you're hearing for from doctors, because you had to have buy-in from doctors and patients as well. What are the doctors saying? Are patients actually getting the message and really uh, getting more involved in the management of their pain? You bet. And I think all patients, I mean, nobody wants to be uh, in pain by any means, but we have so many great ways of treating pain now that aren't always focused on opioids. Now, opioids do have an appropriate place in, in certain pain management uh, arenas, but not necessarily in all arenas. So this topic of morphine milligram equivalence, this is, uh, you know, many providers are aware of this. They're familiar with it, feel like this is the right direction for us to go. Um, but for some of the public, this is going to be a new topic and a new way of thinking about opioids. And, and you know, and I think maybe uh, encouraging patients to start having some discussions with their providers about what is the potency of my, my opioid? Um, because we know that as the potency or the MME for the medications go up, the, the, the risk to the patients significantly go up. And Maria, I think it's also important to, to, um, to point out kind of what's been going on nationally as well as locally with opioids. So in the, you know, we've had uh, nationally with the opioid epidemic, we've had kind of three rises or waves, I should say, in opioid overdose deaths. The first one occurred in about 1999, which was a rise in prescription opioid overdose deaths. Then about 2010, we started to see a rise in heroin overdose deaths. And then the wave three is kind of started around 2013, and that was a rise in synthetic opioid overdose deaths. So there's kind of been these three different waves that we've been looking at and trying to figure out solutions and the best way to treat patients uh, for pain. Now, one thing that's unique is I think we should talk about Utah opioid overdose deaths and how it's different from the nation. In fact, in Utah, we continue to see those trends, like I mentioned, in the different waves. But in Utah, we actually have, uh, we prescribe more opioid prescriptions um, than most of the rest of the country. In fact, we only have three states that have higher prescribing rates for opioid prescriptions. So I think this really calls into play our, our focus on because uh, on opioids, not only are we hearing so much about those synthetic opioids that are maybe um, illegally manufactured, but still knowing we have significant to work as far as opioid prescribing practices. Okay, go back and talk about why you think that is. Why are we prescribing more? I don't know that we necessarily have um, one solution to that or one idea, but I think there could be a multitude of things is that, uh, you know, we're really in tune and uh, we're a healthy state. And so patients in Utah are, are far more likely to go talk to their providers if they're, if they're having issues or troubles or pain. And pain and opioids have been, you know, a solution. 
many of us grew up, many of us providers, uh, healthcare professionals grew up when treating pain was kind of like the fifth vital sign. Like we need to make sure that there is no pain for these, for patients. And in fact, we've learned a lot along the way and we're seeing that, uh, you know, pain can be treated in alternative ways. And when opioids are appropriate for the certain type of pain, we need to make sure that we're prescribing the lowest doses or the lowest MMEs possible to keep our patients safe. There is, Maria, just, just so you're aware, that as the doses increase, specifically as we get um, higher than 50 morphine milligram equivalents based on those, those uh, tables, patients are two times more likely to have a risk of overdose. But it's not a linear correlation, meaning as those MMEs escalate and as we get greater or, or higher than 90 morphine milligram equivalents, the risk for overdose uh, events increases by tenfold. So I think that's why we want to bring awareness around this topic and really start discussing MMEs with our with our, our doctors, our dentists, and with our patients so everybody's aware of this concept. Right. I think most of us, whether when we go in for a surgery, don't really think about the strength of the prescription medication we're going to be receiving. We trust the doctor. We've come out of surgery. Uh, the doctor's going to give us something for that pain and we're going to go home, right? So this is kind of a different right. way for us to be thinking about it. And especially for those maybe people who have gone through, like my husband, who's gone through like, you know, two dozen surgeries, it's going to be something he's going to be want, want to be more aware of because the strength of his doses may be changing when he has another surgery, correct? You bet. And just even knowing things, morphine milligram equivalency helps us to understand that fentanyl is much more potent than oxycodone. Oxycodone is much more potent than tramadol. So it helps to level set and give kind of a, an equal playing field when determining uh, which opioids to prescribe. We do know that as those MMEs go up for prescriptions or opioids that are prescribed, it helps us to identify patients who maybe need closer monitoring who maybe could help benefit from the reduction or tapering down of opioids in a systematic approach. Of course, we never want to transition somebody off of opioids um, abruptly because that could cause a whole host of issues. We want to do that in a very thoughtful, um, concerned way. And it's also, it's great when, when patients and providers can have informed decisions and informed conversations about what's best and patients feel good that all of their questions have been asked to the providers, and they also feel that they've gotten the answers back, so they feel good with that uh, with that plan moving forward. Right. We need to take a break. And you're listening to Healthy Mind Matters on KSL News Radio today. We are talking about opioids and their use in pain management, and we'll be right back. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast Cold. In October of 1985. A woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. 
In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.